This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It is episode four of From the Braves Booth, and we're coming to you from the Braves Booth, the Pete Van Weren Radio Booth here at the ballpark, as a matter of fact, alongside Joe Simpson and Jonathan Chadwick, who I'm sure will join us here in a little while. Ben Ingram here with you. And Joe, how are you today? I am great. I'm ready to get this homestand kickstarted tonight. Me too. Team's coming off a uh, a 500 road trip, so that's good. Finish things up with a win uh, on Sunday against the Reds, and now it's a, it's a really important stretch coming up. And like we do every show, we'll get to your questions a little bit later. You can fire us an email, bravesbooth at gmail.com. But we like to start off with everything that we've just recently seen in the week that was in Braves baseball. And while you saw some really good things, I think we're pretty focused on what's to come because you'll see the Mets uh, here on this homestand. Then we'll see the Marlins. Then it's the Pirates. And then the Marlins again. And then it's the All-Star break. So not that you want to look past today, but I think for what we do in our industry, it's easy to look at the next week and a half and say, here's what we'd like to see going into the All-Star break. Yeah, so it's roughly 14 games before the break. And uh, be nice to get on a good run, much like Washington has done to get into second place and uh, get close to the Mets as well. So if the Braves can pull off something like that, I think they'll be in real good position at the break to decide what they want to do, what they need to do uh, for the second half. I think the Nationals have gotten everybody's attention here lately, and I think you and I both thought that for the last month or so, they had potential to be really dangerous because of their pitching. Uh, Once they got healthy in their lineup, we know that they've got some really big difference makers in in Turner and Soto, but as we enter a new week, uh, the Mets have a three-game lead on the Nationals. Braves are four and a half games back. So this Mets team is a team that comes in. Yes, they can pitch. But they are 29th in Major League Baseball in runs scored. And I almost want to say, I don't care how well you pitch. If you have a team coming into your place that is having that much trouble scoring runs, I feel like you should take that series. Well, I, I think so, too. Uh, let's keep in mind that Conforto and McNeil have only been back about a week. Uh, so some of those numbers that they've accumulated since the beginning of the season are a little uh, distorted mm-hmm. because they've missed so many guys in their lineup. Uh, I do have confidence that their offense will get better. And, and it's kind of like um, a, a situation where you say, uh, boy, I want to play those guys. They've got a bad record. Well, they may be 5-10, and 10, but they've won five in a row. Right. Th- that's kind of where I see the Mets right now is that they are a team that can be very dangerous, and you don't want to be on the front end of one of their good winning streaks. Almost to the halfway point of the season – And I don't know that you could pinpoint one team in this division. You might be able to, but I can't pinpoint one team and say, that's the team you got to get by if you want to win this division. That 
I mean, the Phillies have looked good in spurts. Nationals mm-hmm. looking good right now. Mets have looked good in spurts. The Braves have looked good even in a spurt. And and it, it you got four teams all tight there together. Four teams within five games. Though the Marlins in they're eight and a half games back, so they're not out of it right now. And it's a very unique division from that perspective. It is, and uh, I, I think when you looked at the division at the beginning of the year, everybody had the Braves pegged to repeat, but that it was going to be a dogfight. Right. Because uh, the Mets had improved themselves drastically, especially with the signing of Francisco Lindor, uh, but they improved their pitching as well. Then you already had the Phillies and the Nationals. They were already pretty good. Uh, we all knew that the Phillies had a rotten bullpen last year, and you just expected it to get a little better. Well... It hasn't. Right. But the Phillies are still a very formidable ball club. And with Wheeler in their rotation, they're going to have a chance to win every five days with him out there, certainly. So it's a four-team race, in my opinion. I'm not counting out the Marlins. But also, uh, the Marlins are a team nobody wants to play right now. Right. Because they're so good. So any one of those four that at the top could win it. I want to go back to something that you and I discussed the other day. And we're trying to lay out a path for the Braves. Uh, if they're going to win this division, what would they need to do? And I think what we felt like in the meantime, between now and the trade deadline, you're looking to hang in there. You want to get healthier. Uh, hopefully you see Waskari Noah come back sometime in the next five weeks. Likewise, Travis Darno sometime early in August. Kyle Muller looked really good in the two starts we've seen him. Hopefully he could be a difference maker. But if you could just hold tight, if you could be where you are in a month and then trade for a corner outfielder, add a piece to your bullpen, and like we mentioned, get healthier. I think that's the path that seems the most realistic for this team getting where they want to be. Is there anything else you think that I'm missing there? No, I like I like your way of thinking. Um, I, I think Shane Green uh, gave us some hope that uh, he's beginning to kind of round into shape because his last two outings were, were really good. His first three or four were not, but I think he's uh, becoming Shane Green again. And that's a big addition in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. One more guy down there wouldn't hurt. Uh, they have plenty of lefties, but another guy down there would certainly help the bullpen. So I, I'm not going to go through that whole litany of uh, er- those areas that you just talked about. No reason to. But I agree with you on all fronts. And when they get Enoa back and when they get Darno back, those are like trades almost. Right. It's going to make them deeper. Uh, Kyle Muller has been really impressive. And I, I said the other day, he's a glimpse of the future. Well, he's a glimpse of right now, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't imagine that he's going to be sent back and uh, wait around 10 or 15 days for another spot start because he was that good. Yeah, I think if, if this guy gets sent down, you're thinking, well, what is – I'd imagine in his mind he's thinking, what do I have to do? Yeah. Because he's looked so good. It's not just his stuff that I like. I like his fiery demeanor. Yeah. I mean, he gets out there and he's got an aggressive personality – I don't think that that works for everybody, but I think that fits his stuff. I think it certainly fits his physique, his stature. I mean, he's yeah. 6'7", 250, and he's a bull out there, man. So uh, excited to see more of him. And when it comes to a successful team by the end of the year, I think you've got to be good where you expect it to be good. You've got to make sure that you're healthy at the right times. But I think that you need guys that maybe you didn't expect to get uh, anything from. When we went into this season, I wasn't thinking about Kyle Muller being someone who would contribute. And I think you need contributions from guys that maybe you didn't expect big contributions from. He could definitely be on that list for the Braves. Uh, well, let's uh, let's think about the guys that have been forced into action. Uh, Almonte, 
uh, Contreras, uh, Adrianza, those guys, Guillermo Heredia, those guys were not counted on. Mm-hmm. They they weren't on the opening day roster. Uh, uh, Adrianza was, but everybody else has been forced into this because of injury or uh, the incident with Ozuna, um, the horrible incident with Ozuna. So what that's done, in my opinion, is it's made the bench better. Mm-hmm. You know, their extended playing time and their performance shows me that Brian Snitker uh, would have a real deep bench if you're able to go out and get that everyday corner outfielder that you're talking about, that proven major league player that's not a, a journeyman. So I think those guys are going to make the team better in the long run off the bench, not necessarily playing every day. Yeah, I can't wait to see how it plays out. It's a very exciting time. Like we mentioned, you're two weeks away from the All-Star break, and then two weeks after that is the trade deadline, and you start to see some wheels turning and some things set into motion in the month of July. I want to bring JC in for this one. And, and obviously, I want to talk about this between us as well. Uh, about to the halfway point. Uh, I think tonight is game 78. Is that right? Something like that. 78, 79. Yes. yes. And, and I want to take this beyond the Braves or this division. You could you could make this National League or, or Major League Baseball together. What are your biggest surprises around the league at the halfway point? Uh, I think I would have to lead with where the Giants are in the standings. That, that's a surprise to me. Um, I don't think that it's a surprise that the Dodgers and the Padres are as good as they are. But I think maybe the biggest surprise to me is the Giants and then for, for how good they are. And, and on the, the other side of that is maybe how bad the Diamondbacks are. And so that's all in one division. My biggest surprises for the good and the bad, I think, are coming from the same division halfway through the season. I, I think you're spot on with those choices, but I'm going to add one more. I didn't think the Cubs were going to be this good. Especially when we saw them. When we saw them, I didn't like their team. And uh, all of a sudden, they're playing good baseball. They're playing as a team, and they're getting the job done. They haven't run off and left anybody in the division, but they're right around the top. So... Um, with the Cardinals kind of treading water, too. They're not playing great baseball. I think the Cubs could be added to one of those surprises. Yeah, some surprises in that division. I thought the Cardinals would be better. Brewers have taken off here lately. Yeah, they, they won have. six in a row coming into this week, and they built a four-game lead. They were just tied with the Cubs, felt like a couple of days ago. Well, see, that's what could happen in, in, the, AL, in the NL East, too. Right. Uh, just look at what the Nationals had done. Say the Nationals were already at five hundred. And had gone on this run that they're on. I think they've won something like 10 out of 13 or something. They'd have built a a nice lead for themselves, too. And that can still happen with the Braves. If I had told you at spring training, now, on one side of this, you had the benefit of seeing one of these teams a lot at spring training, not so much the other. But if I had told you July 1st that the Red Sox and the Giants would both be in first place... I don't know that I would have been more shocked of one over the other. I, I think both carry a pretty good amount of shock value. Well, number one, I would have been shocked that the Giants were going to be in first place because of everything that was built up all winter long about the Dodgers and the Padres. Right. That's Those were the first two teams that anybody talked about as being, who's the best play team in the National League? Well, it's the Dodgers, uh, head and shoulders above everybody else. And then the Padres. Well, guess what? They're both looking up at the Giants, so that's a big shock to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then from the Red Sox standpoint, having seen them so much this spring, um, that is a surprise to me. Maybe not as much, though, as the Giants. Yeah, as we're recording this on a Tuesday, 
the the Dodgers have if, if you eliminate the Giants they've got the best record in baseball or at least they're tied with the Red Sox and they're tied with the Astros uh, for the second best record in baseball so it's not just the Giants leading that division it's the Giants having the best record in baseball at this point they're at 50 wins I know it's not even July the first yet yeah, I know and uh, uh, tip your cap to Gabe Kapler he's done a good job with those guys yeah, he has that's impossible to say but tip your cap to Gabe Kapler <laughs> I didn't think we'd be saying that no I didn't either Honestly, when he got the job with the Giants, I think there was a little bit of surprise, especially going from Bochi to Gabe. Nothing against Gabe Kapler, but we saw what we saw when he was in Philadelphia. Yeah. And that's a pretty large extreme going from what you had in Bruce Bochi to what we saw with the guy managing the Philadelphia Phillies. JC, I want you in on this. He just walked in the door, by the way. Uh, as, as we're evaluating the first half of the season, almost to the halfway point, he's about to turn on his mic and sit down here. We're talking about our biggest surprises across Major League Baseball to the halfway point. We threw in the Giants, that being a big surprise. Uh, Red Sox as well. Joe threw in, he didn't think that the Cubs would be as good as they have been, especially for when we saw them. Anything jump out to you uh, for your biggest surprises across Major League Baseball at the halfway point? Right off the top of my head, I'd have to say the Giants. Yeah sitting there in first place yeah i think so too you know what's interesting though i think leading that division with the dodgers and the padres Uh i don't think anybody had that at this point i don't either do you think that this division has played out like you thought it would through the first half of the season in l east Uh uh-huh no no it hasn't um i don't think anybody's played all that great yeah you know somebody would say some people would say well uh, you've got four pretty good teams out of five, and they're going to knock each other off and keep uh, knocking the legs out from each other and all that kind of stuff. And that's true, uh, but I didn't expect uh, these kinds of records from the top four teams. I, I'm, I'm surprised. That's a good point, because I think you felt like there'd be three or four teams bunched together, but maybe three or four teams bunched together with better records. In other words, if you told me that the Braves were six games over, coming up on July the 1st, I'd have guessed they'd have been in third or fourth place. Yeah. Well, the first place team right. is six games over 500. Right, right. Uh, coming up on the end of June. Yeah, that, that's, that is not, that was not on my radar. Yeah. You know, at this stage of June, I expected uh, the Braves and probably one other team, maybe the Mets, to be 10 or 12 games over 500 already. Right. Second place team is a 500 team right now. Yeah. So it's been surprisingly uh, weaker than I expected. All right. Uh, I'll tell you what, let's throw this one out there, too. Do you have an MVP and a Cy Young for the National League through the first half of the season? Yes. Who you got? One guy. <laughs> Jacob deGrom? Yes. <laughs> one guy. MVP for and yeah. Cy Young. Now, I got some nominees for uh, MVP. The Cy Young is a, is a runaway. Uh, but the MVP, we just saw Nick Castellanos. Yeah, uh, we leave town. He had another. He, he drove in seven runs last night. My goodness! So he is—he's uh, a guy that has firmly put his foot in the race. You know, thrown his hat in the race, if you will, uh, for MVP. And because he doesn't get a lot of attention playing in Cincinnati, I think he will going forward. Uh, there's some other guys too that have gotten off to good starts and uh, driving in a ton of runs. But uh, uh, put Nick Castellanos on your on your list too. It could be something historic. I mean, we've only seen it, I think, a dozen times where the pitcher, the Cy Young Award winner, won the MVP. Uh, Kershaw and Verlander have both done it here recently. Yeah, I don't like it. Yeah, it's to me, if if you're going to allow that to happen, 
then the pitcher better have had, better have had a historically historically great season. And even still, I can understand not liking it. Uh, if Degrom goes out there and finishes the season with a sub one ERA, I feel like that's what's going to happen. But but don't you think the Cy Young Award is the pitching MVP? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is interesting. I, 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 it's a player MVP to me, mm-hmm. most valuable player, mm-hmm. and the Cy Young is the most valuable pitcher. So you can, you can call him whatever you like. I just don't think uh, one guy, a pitcher, should win both. What if it's Shohei Otani? He could do that. Just because he can go hit every single night. Yeah, because he's playing. Right. He, he's playing every three or four days a week, mm-hmm. and um, he absolutely could. Yeah, he's. I, I wish we got to see him more. You know, they're they're talking about him like a a, one, a generational type player, uh-huh. uh, and maybe someone uh, who's come along now for the first time since a Babe Ruth who pitched and and had the kind of clout that that Babe had. So I wish we could see him play more too. And um, I, I'm amused that um, and and I guess excited that he's going to be in the home run derby yeah, in the All Star. Yeah, you know, and for a guy that is. Uh, has been somewhat fragile for the Angels. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's a big step for the ball club, the organization to take to allow him to do that. Yeah, it sure is. I think with MVP, and, and we haven't seen the Padres play, but just watching from afar, I mean, Tatis is having a great season. Acuna is obviously having a great season. I think these are, along with Castellanos, are certainly candidates for the MVP. Uh, it, it's funny with the Cy Young because you're so right about DeGrom. And it's a year where if I'm Zach Wheeler, I'm thinking I'm probably the, the front runner for the Cy Young at this point yeah. in any other year. Mm-hmm. But this guy's doing something. He, he's having historically the best first half of the season anybody's ever even seen before. Yeah, Mark Melanson. Mark right. Melanson having a great year closing for the Padres. I don't think he's blown a save and he's had a sub one ERA and he's perfect in saves. So he's another guy that could, could look and say, gosh, guys, what about me? I want to go back to that home run derby comment real quick. Yeah. Um, when Shohei Otani, whose name was mentioned, uh, I read or heard somebody talk about Pete Alonso, who won the home run derby the year he was the, the uh, National League Rookie of the Year. He said that counting all of his batting cage work and and swings practicing uh, for the on the day of the home run derby, want to guess how many swings he said he took? Do you think it'd be a lot or none? <laughs> A jillion. Really? 700. He guesstimated he took 700 swings that day. That is unbelievable. Yeah. And that is strictly during the competition, or that's every, from warming up? Warming and up. Then, warming up, and then out to the competition. Honestly, it, it's... And they've needed to... And, and I feel like they have over the last few seasons. They've needed to streamline that whole thing, because it is long. It's too long. There are years, seven, eight, nine years ago, where that thing would go on for hours, mm-hmm. and you'd get exhausted watching it can't imagine participating in it right and taking that many swings five swings plenty exactly keep it moving along mm-hmm. i know that um trevor story is going to be uh i think they announced him yesterday yes um vlad guerrero jr will be in there oh i thought he was out oh is he out okay yeah he he and um one of the other young player well otani otani's in but guerrero i'd i'd heard that he's he's Decided not to do okay. it. Okay, Judge and Tatis, I think they're in. Haven't heard. I need to look these up. You know what I do like about this? You, you've got star power in the competition, and while maybe it's a long 
competition and, and maybe you and I are watch bits and pieces of it, the younger generation gets to see the stars. And this isn't me pointing a finger at the NBA, but I miss the NBA when they had their stars in the slam dunk contest mm-hmm. rather than guys that are that you hardly even know. You didn't like Tiny Archibald? <laughs> I, <laughs> I love when you had Jordan and Wilkins and, and right. those guys rather than some guy I've never heard of. You know what? I'm not sure Tatis is still in. Okay. Because um, the Padres are concerned about the shoulder that he keeps having problems with. Well, you take a few hundred swings in the um, home run derby and see how your shoulder feels. You'd be worn out. I'm, I'm looking at this right now. I'll see Trey Mancini's in it. Oh, that's good. Uh, Otani's in it. I feel like I should be able to find a, I, a Kyle, list pretty easily. Kyle but. Schwarber ought to be in it. <laughs> no joke. <laughs> he's, he's doing it right now. <laughs> he, he is. Huh. Uh, yeah, Otani, Alonso. Apparently, Alonzo is in it. Uh, yeah, so they still have a few weeks before they finalize that list, I assume. So excited about that. And I just hate it's not here in Atlanta, but that's another topic for another time, I'm Boy, sure. That's about three podcasts worth right yeah, there. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. All right, we've got about 20 or so minutes left, so we can go ahead and jump into your questions. Feel free to shoot us an email, bravesbooth at gmail.com. And uh, when we threw that out there the other day, you, you guys lit it up, lit up, the, lit up the inbox. So we appreciate that. We're going to get to as many of these as we can. And I know JC's going to sit in with us on these. And I'll go ahead and fire away. Here's the most important question that I see on this list. It comes from Connie. Do you like pizza? Wow, that that's deep. I mean, she's drilling. She wants the good stuff. Yeah. Connie, I just had pizza last night on my off night. <laughs> I love pizza. Connie is the Pope Catholic. Yeah, really. I love pizza. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I had pizza the other night as well. Could do that all the time. I know JC's going to make that unanimous. Yeah, love pizza. Yeah, how do you not? All right, fire away with one, fellas. All right, I got one. Joe, what's the biggest difference between TV and radio? And this is from Carl, and he says the TV product has not been as good since you left. Well, that's nice of you, Carl. Thank you very much. Uh, Right off the top of my head, what's the difference? We have fun on radio. We have a good time on radio. We uh, are able to talk in our own, um, on our own stories and talk about what we want to talk about. We don't have to be told what to say. We, we don't have to be called down because we're having fun and enjoying the game like they do on TV and told not to laugh and cut up. And on TV, you're constantly being reprimanded for something you might have said that uh, hurt somebody's feelings with the Braves or um, someone else, I guess, on the TV side of things. Uh, we have a good time on radio and work with great guys uh, as I said, we have fun. Uh, so that's the difference. It's it's a lot more fun on radio. That's an award-winning answer right there. Because <laughs> everything you just said is spot on. <laughs> Which it, it kind of leads us into that very next question from Melissa. Do you guys ever get tired of each other? Oh, good Lord, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, we're kidding. If we got tired of each other, 
uh, we wouldn't have as much fun as we're having, right? That's true. You know, what I, what I love is, look, I, I love watching other sports and all that, but we're baseball guys. I mean, this is, I, I love the everyday nature of our game. I love that it is a running dialogue throughout the entire year, even through the off season. You and I are, uh, the three of us are keeping in touch with moves that might have been made. And I love getting to the ballpark and watching it all play out day by day. And when you're around other people who are like that, I, I don't see how you could get tired of that because at our core, this is what we love. We're very blessed to get to do what we get to do. Right. And to watch this great game every single day, that's my favorite thing. And I love just getting to the ballpark. And before we even go on the air, just talking about the game for and after the game. Right. Uh, that, that's one of my favorite things. And it's a really good chemistry that we have. I would say to answer the question, honestly, no, I don't get tired of these guys. Um, as they've both said, we have a ton of fun every day. And I would say if uh, you work with people who you don't have fun with, uh, when you're together as much as we are uh, throughout the course of uh, close to 200 games a season, you probably need to find something else to do. Yeah, good, good way to answer mm-hmm. that one. All right. Uh, I got one, and I know this will apply certainly to Ben as uh, we've already experienced this on occasion or two. My question is, do your friends and family listen to your calls? Do they give you a hard time about your game calls like only family can do? We were just talking about right. something on uh, Sunday, and your mom said she just she tuned did. in. Yeah. We were talking about how we were disciplined when yes. we were young. Yeah, were we spanked or were we whipped or whatever. Mom said she called me after the game. And she says, I'll give you credit. You were good to your mama. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I just threw dad under the bus. Uh-huh. And she asked dad, because I told the story about how dad would come in with a belt and he'd be popping it. Mm-hmm. You know, you can pop sure. the belt. Yeah. And she asked dad, she said, did you ever pop the belt? And he's like, oh, yeah. Like, he took pride <laughs> in it. <laughs> but yes, they do. And I think when it comes to my friends, they will listen here and there. My family listens every night. My girlfriend listens maybe a couple times a week, and they will they will shoot you. Te- and it's never about the calls, though. It's never, hey, that was a great home run call. It, it's always something that we're laughing at together and, and in the to f- booth. And to fill in some info, like uh, one day we were somebody was hurt, and uh, I think I said something about, oh, for the days of the uh, cold spray, but I couldn't remember the name of oh, it. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I got a text from my brother-in-law, who's a medical supply salesman, who said ethyl chloride. <laughs> and I went, well, we just got a note from a doctor in Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite ones this year, and JC, I want you to tell this story, was when we brought up Pamela Anderson. I mean, we were talking about our favorite people named Anderson because right. uh, we had Ian Anderson facing Tyler Anderson. Mm-hmm. And we got into some ridiculous conversation about our favorite Andersons. And I said, I think J. Chad's favorite Anderson is Pamela. Mm-hmm. And then what happened? It was your, your brother and his oh, kids. Oh, my were brother! Yeah, my brother-in-law was listening in Nashville, Tennessee, and he sent me a text. And he was in the car with uh, he and my sister's three children, and they were listening to the game, and they heard Pamela Anderson. Well, they're thirteen all the way down to five, and they have no idea who Pamela Anderson is. So he wanted. Um, me to thank you guys for having to spend the next half hour explaining who <laughs> Pamela Anderson was. Uh, how many hours a day are you at the ballpark? That's from Harold. Uh, that varies, Harold. Like today, uh, to do the podcast, we came to the park early. It's a seven twenty game, and we got to the ballpark at two forty five to record this 
this podcast. That's uh, not the norm, but we all get here uh, pretty much, oh, by four o'clock anyway, because we also record the Brian Snitker report every day, and someone needs to be here with J. Chad to do that. So uh, you can count on pretty much three to four hours before every game. I bet a safe assumption for you and me, Joe, would on average eight hours. Yeah. For JC, it might be more like nine, nine and a half. I would say nine to ten. I'm usually here five hours before first pitch. I would say would be about the average. Today was six because of things I needed to do before we we recorded the podcast. But I would say a safe bet for me is nine to ten hours. Yeah, that's and I I don't know that I wouldn't say that all the things that we have to do before a game. It's a ton of things. We have a lot of things that we have to do, but I don't think we want to be rushed when it comes to the things we need to line up for a game. 100% right. I, I Even as a player, guys, I didn't want to have to hurry to get my gear on to go out for batting practice right. or, or for the game for that matter. I wanted to be on my own time frame, be prepared in my own on my own pace, and the same goes for what we do up here. There's a pace to it that I like that's good for me, and if I'm late, I'm late all day. It, yeah. it never seems like I'm able to catch up. It's the same thing for me. I hate being late. It's a huge pet peeve of mine. And, you know, sometimes I'll get to the ballpark earlier than I need to be, and I'll sit down right where we're sitting right now, and I'll just watch the guys cut the grass and eat lunch. <laughs> uh, but for me, you know, there's things I have to do every day to prepare for the broadcast and a lot of things that I have to do I want done before you guys get here uh, for a few reasons one is uh, you would be in my way um, and uh, <laughs> um, you know and I want to be able to take my time to do that but if all those things are done then we can kind of go at our own pace and not rush and have fun while we're preparing for the game yeah this is from Jeff. He says, my question is, how do you mark your scorecard for putouts done in the shift, such as a third baseman playing on the second base side of the bag like Austin Riley uh, does, for example? I think we have two different answers for that. Yeah. Because I would usually just write. If it's if it's that situation and, and Riley's out in shallow right, I still just write 5-3. But you go by the position to where the ball was hit. I, I need to know in my own head uh, where he hit the ball last time up. Right. So if I were to write... Four three, but Ozzy fielded the ball over by shortstop. That doesn't tell me that he um, hit the ball the other way as a left-handed hitter or something. I, I, I just need to know where the spot was that he hit it. Yeah, I mark five three like you, Ben, but I also write an S in the box. And the only reason I do that, while I don't really need to know, I'm not the one calling the game. I do that in the event that Joe or you turn around at some point during the game and say, "Hey, what did Ozzy do last at bat?" Yeah. I think any time I write something down, let's say it's a ground out to Ozzy, and I'll write 4-3. If you had Riley in shallow right, and this just hit me, maybe I could write 5-4-3. Mm-hmm. So the first number is the guy who made the put out. Four is where he was aligned, and obviously three is first base. I don't know. I'd, I'll think about that. I'm always for evolving my scorebook. I, I'm not setting my ways. If there's something I can do to make it easier... I'll think about that. See, I think you, you're onto something there, especially when you've got when Austin starts a double play and it's five slash four dash six dash three. They look like phone numbers right yeah. in my book. It <laughs> could get pretty complicated. All right. This is from Burke. Uh, this is mostly for Ben. 
Who were your broadcasting influences growing up, and who do you still like to listen to when you're not broadcasting other than me? <laughs> Joe Simpson, next question. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I'll, I'll give you... I'll give you... I'll just throw, I'll fire some names away right quick. Number one, Mel Allen was way up there for me because, and I never got to hear his play-by-play, but this week in baseball was yeah. just the best. Mm-hmm. And he got to narrate the whole thing, and it just sounded, sounded like he was having so much fun narrating the show, and that made a big impression on me. The first guy I ever remember hearing was Jack Buck. I was a kid. I was able to pick up KMOX in Mississippi, and I heard him, and I could hear the crowd and was thinking to myself, this sounds so cool. He's there with all the with all the crowd and calling a game. And I thought his, his voice was amazing. Uh, growing up, when I was about 14, 15, I started really listening to Pete. I mm-hmm. loved listening to how he prepared. And the number, I think of the numbers and the, and the stats that we have now, and I think how much more challenging that would have been pre-internet era sure. to come up with some of the stuff that he came up with. And that always made a big impression on me. Uh, obviously, Scully is, you know, Vin Scully. But there's a guy back home um, when I was a kid, the, and I'm, I'm an Ole Miss fan, but Mississippi State had a broadcaster named Jack Crystal, and he was one of these, I mean, cigarette-smoking, bourbon-drinking, raspy-voice, old-school guys, and I loved listening to him call a basketball game. So those are the guys that I listen to a lot and kind of pick and choose different – aspects of different guys to learn things about the, the industry from i suppose those are all good ones very good how about you guys you guys have a uh, anybody that ever stood out to you that you really enjoyed jonathan well um i grew up in atlanta so it was skip pete ernie don joe mm-hmm. um those were the guys every single night for me i think we mentioned this um i think it was on the air the other night uh talking about a drive-in movie theater in Norman, Oklahoma, uh, where you, you know, it was like five bucks a car. We would hide guys in the trunk and all that <laughs> stuff to get in. But when we got set up and put the speaker in our window, and for you people out there who have never been to a drive-in window, that's what you did. You watched the big screen and you had a speaker that you put in the window of your car. Before it got dark enough for the movie to start, KNOR in Norman carried the Cardinals. They were an affiliate of Cardinals baseball. So I listened to Jack and Harry Carey. At the movie theater. At the movie theater. That is so cool. Until the movie started, uh, it was piped in through that speaker. And um, I love those guys. And I I really love listening to Harry. That is awesome. That is really cool. JC, you got a question you want to run with? Yeah, this is for Joe. Uh, This is uh, from Brandon uh, from Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. He wanted to know if you could tell a couple good Skip's Carry stories. Oh, boy, Broken Arrow is a good town, great town up near Tulsa. Um, Brandon, I wish there's several I could tell you, but I don't think they're fit for the airwaves just yet. (laughs) Anything's fit for a podcast, by the way. Well, I know, but... There's one in particular that used to, it still cracks me up. Um, And that is, if you will indulge me, he was in Montreal and he slept without any clothes on. Okay. That was just (laughs) the way he, that's the way he rolled more or less. Um, And when, as you guys know, traveling one hotel, 
the bathroom might be to your right. Next room might it might be to the left. So it was just at the kind of the end of our long road trip, and I think he just kind of he was addled a little bit, and he forgot which way to go. And before he knew it, he was out in the hall, and the door clicked behind him. <laughs> And he said, you've never sobered up so fast in your life as when you're standing in a well-lit hotel hallway <laughs> naked. And he said, and I wasn't even in my own country. <laughs> and I think he, he went down to, uh, he found a, a service room that had a lot of towels and stuff in it. And there was a phone in there and he called one of the TV guys to come help him out. So that, that's, I'll give you one. I'll give you that one, Brandon. I wonder that's how it. long you was in that closet. Oh, I don't know. I think, I hope they had big towels. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. That's phenomenal. Great story. Uh, all I can think about is Pete outside of his hotel room. Let's <laughs> go with the, uh, I'll give you a good Pete story real quick. Fire away. Um, there was a uh, traveling secretary. This is long before I was with the team. Pete told it to me and made me laugh every time. And the traveling secretary's name was Donald Davidson. And I don't know what happened that caused Donald to get on the wrong side of Ted Turner, but they were on the road. And Ted fired him while he's on the road. You know, so the traveling te- secretary's got meal money. He's got uh, plane tickets and all that kind of stuff to keep track of, let alone the buses and the hotels. So Ted called Pete, and he said, have you ever been a traveling secretary? And Pete said, no. And he goes, well, you are now for the rest of the year, and I want to give you a raise. And Pete said, well, I, I don't know how. To, I'm not traveling. I'm the broadcaster. I don't have time to do the, yeah, well, you are now. Go down to Donald. Knock, you know, his hotel room, and he'll give you all the stuff. So Pete's all flustered, like, oh, my gosh, how am I going to do all this? And this is one of the most complicated jobs in the whole organization. Yeah. And he went down to Donald's room, and he knocked on the door, and Donald threw everything and hit Pete in the face and closed the door. (laughs) (laughs) So Pete's left with this pile of stuff that he's got to sort through and figure out. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And he was – and for – a while, Pete was the traveling secretary and I don't know how he pulled that off. There were times Pete told me that, or Skip told me that he would have to get up from the booth and go out like in the concourse or something and, and call Delta or whomever the Braves were flying with at the time, you know, maybe even before the days of charters because there was a rain delay or the game was extra innings or something and right. he had to call them to make sure the plane would still be available on and on and on it was it was a big piece of work for Pete <laughs> that, that, that seems unbelievable yeah that is wild this is from Vic and the question is who's the most respected slash nicest guy that y'all have encountered in the clubhouse during your careers also how much easier is it to have all the radio equipment at Truist throughout the season instead of taking it to each road trip is J Chad nervous that he might forget something when y'all start going back on the road Vic even if Jay Chad has everything there, he's nervous about whatever it is you have. He's going to be nervous about whatever. That is correct. Uh, even when we are traveling full-time, and I'm used to packing and unpacking every week, every other week, I'm nervous about it. I will send myself emails at 3 o'clock in the morning so I don't forget something. In the back of the broadcast booth where we're sitting right now, I have a sticky note taped to the wall that says, Pack Joe's Headphones. 
Uh, I'm constantly worried that I'm going to forget something. I tend to overpack, but that's just because when we get somewhere, whatever stadium we're broadcasting from, I want to make sure I have everything and some. Which is a good trait to have for this job. Oh, yeah. That is definitely necessary. I've seen, and Jay Chad's gotten a lot better about this. You should have seen this guy packing for spring training three, four years ago. I mean, you thought he was moving to Florida. Yeah. He had everything. Well, I was for six weeks. Six weeks, yeah. Um, other part of that nicest, most respected guy, you know, fire away with anybody? Well, uh, there's several guys that come to mind. John Holland, who just retired, uh, 50 years with the Braves. Bill Acre, 50 years with the team. Uh, these are people that uh, weren't on camera. Right. You know, they're not first and foremost in the fans' minds or anything. So I'm going to alleviate players. I'm going to eliminate players from that conversation and, and talk about those two guys and Jeff Porter. Right. Uh, trainer for the Braves. You certainly, fans certainly know who that is. Uh, but those are three guys that come to mind immediately. What about you, Jay Chad? From a player perspective, I'll say most respected, Chipper Jones, and I would say nicest uh, from my time of traveling with the Braves is easily for me, Charlie Culberson. Yeah, Charlie Culberson's way up there. I'll fire off a couple other guys that just I had some good conversations with over the years, and these guys weren't here long. I had some really good baseball conversations with Aaron Harang in the short time he was here. Always wanted to talk about the game. Uh, was easily... Um, able to uh, break down the things that he saw from his perspective. Um, it's an interesting choice. I, I just I felt like I had some conversations where I came away thinking, man, he, he really broke that down well. And, and that just stood out to me. Um, I think once you get the get your mind rolling, you maybe different guys start to pop up. But. Well, uh, if, if, if I've got to go over into players, I've got a long list of guys too, but um, Eddie Perez. Yeah. Eddie Perez is near the top of the list. Um, Glavin mm-hmm. and Smoltz are outstanding. Maddox, too. To Maddox, not as much. I, I respected him, but he wasn't one of those guys that, that sought any attention or sought any conversation. He's uh, He was very much willing to oblige any question you had. Right. Um, loved playing golf with him. He was just so, I don't know, dry and witty. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, chipper too. Got to put chipper. Throw in Lemmer there. in there. Oh yeah. I mean, of course, doing all those pre and post games with with Lemmer, we got to spend a ton of time with him. So I would assume he was uh, much like that when he was a player. And I and I should say Charlie too. I, I love Charlie Culberson. Mm-hmm. Charlie was he's awesome. And Lemmer would be way way up on the list for me. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, we'll have time to throw in a couple of more. Uh, it says, this is from Chris. I have two questions. Number one, Freddie Freeman contract extension, anything yet? And also when a manager or pitcher, uh, pitching coach calls to the bullpen to get someone warming, so they request a specific pitcher, or do they just say warm someone? Thanks, Chris. I think they called out and asked for somebody specific more times than not, but I'm sure there have been times where they say, give me somebody. And, um, I think – Almost virtually every time they're down there being very specific. Get Ben up. Right. You know, get Jonathan up. Oh, wait, no, not Jonathan. Get. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, he is up. Okay, sorry. <laughs> oh, oh. oh, sorry. Oh, he, JC's clammed up on me. Yeah, sorry yeah. about that. Sorry. Uh, I, I, I've heard nothing on a Freddie contract extension. No. I'm. When that happens, I'm sure that'll 
we'll find out the same time everybody else will. We'll probably break on Twitter, and that'll be that. What do the Braves players do when they have an off day on a road trip? Uh, that's a good question. Most of the time, we don't even see them. Yeah. Yeah, they, they really take advantage of the off day to rest. They hole up in their hotel rooms. Some will go play golf. Many of them at night will then go out and have an early dinner. If, um, if you're in a city that uh, has a restaurant that they all like, they will uh, clan up and go and might be five, six of them that go to dinner together. Mm-hmm. So that's typical. Sounds about right. Get some golf in where you can. Yeah. Get a good dinner reservation in where you can and probably sleep. I bet they play a lot of video games. That too. I uh, have some contests. Yeah. All right. Let's do one more question. And JC can help us with this. This is from Todd. It says, once I've entered two contests, the home run and, and stolen base challenge giveaways, Am I good for the year? Do I have to enter every day to be eligible for that day's game? If possible, could you answer uh, this during a game? So I guess we could bring this up at some point during a game. Go Braves. That's from Todd. What what are the rules there, JC? Todd, to answer your question, um, yeah, once you are entered at the beginning of the season, you are entered for the year. But just keep in mind, you and about 10,000-plus other people are entered. Uh, contestants are chosen completely at random so if you haven't heard your name called yet uh, no one has anything against you Um, and hopefully at some point during the course of this long season you will be lucky enough to have your name called i feel like we have a ton of home run jackpot winners yeah we got stolen base contestants keep it going on the homers man yeah no doubt I, i feel like we've had two stolen base winners the entire year yeah we've had two the last one i think the jackpot was $3,200 $3,200 of free gas cards from that's racetrack. Nice. Yeah, that's great. So there, there possibly a bigger payoff by winning that contest, uh-huh. but I don't think we've had as many winners right. as we have in the home run challenge. Well, back to baseball real quick before we sign off. Um, with this week coming up at home, uh, the Braves are, have been playing 500 ball at home. This would be a good week to start improving on that. And uh, for the fans, you know, having the Mets and Marlins in here, division rivals, that's always a big draw. We know that DeGrom is going to pitch Thursday. That's a big draw. Hopefully everybody will come out. Can't wait to see everybody. I'm going to call a 6-0 and homestand for the Braves. Nice. Way to go, JC. Nice. Out of way. Remember, you heard it right here first on the From the Braves Booth podcast. You know what? Days off do wonders for all of us. We're extremely positive <laughs> the day after off. Yes, it's the other are. days that we struggle with. Right. <laughs> well, that is another show. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. And you can... Get this show wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much wherever. And we'd love to hear from you. Bravesbooth at gmail.com. And maybe next week we'll read your question or comment on our show. Again, that is Bravesbooth at gmail.com. Talk to you next time. For Jonathan, for Joe, I'm Ben. And you have been in the Braves Booth.